0: so we are starting a new lesson and, and of all this is probably the shortest little chapter in the entire booklet so uh but again i, I never make promises no, <laughs> about finishing no we will make our way through this today it's a great encouragement um and this really relates to kind of that point that i had talked about you know when the the winds of life blow right through me and i feel like basically we've all used that that illustration before of you know uh, we know when it feels to, to feel deflated in life right like the wind was just taken out of our sails you know and I and I have no power um, in those times that song encourages us to cling to Christ our anchor um, one of the ways that we have access to that is is through his amazing the power that we have available to us through prayer. And so this lesson today is focusing on the power of prayer or prayer power. So with that, um, let's pray. Again, Father, as we open your word, uh, may it be to this end that we see and behold the wonders of your power. And, uh, Lord, we don't want to just learn about it in our minds, uh, fill our thoughts with this, but, Lord, we want our lives uh, tapped into the power that we have through Jesus Christ. So Father, uh, I would venture to say that there are uh, parts of each of our lives where we may feel a bit deflated, like we don't have, like the, the uh, uh, our sails are torn through. Lord, and we need your power. Uh, even in those areas where, where we might uh, reflect and say, we're doing okay. Lord, we need your power. It, 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 we live this life uh, in you. And so uh, I pray for power for each of your children here this morning. And uh, would you just encourage us and build us up uh, to be uh, all that you've created us to be in Christ. It's in his name we pray. Well, we're at Ephesians chapter 3 is the big example prayer that uh, we've been looking at. So we'll refresh our memory of that. Ephesians chapter 3. But as we read the whole prayer there is going to be a shift that occurs um, going from uh, the first part of the prayer and towards the end around verse 20, there's there's kind of a shift that occurs. And so if you have your, your handout or your worksheet there, uh, that, that's the first question. So let's be on our mind trying to, to solve that question. How does Paul's prayer shift as we get into verse 20? So if we don't mind, let's begin in chapter 3. We'll read 14 through 21. And actually, let's start with Tom. And we'll each take a a verse and kind of work our way over to your life. 3.14? Yep.
1: For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. 15, Ephesians 3. Oh, yep, he's booting up his Bible. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs>
1: From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named.
2: That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit and in the inner being. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you may be it and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints that is the width and the
1: depth and the depth and the
0: height. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God.
1: Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. See, we
0: still got you All right. Beautiful prayer. I love it. Paul is very, what I'd say, verbose. He uses words and he will say the same thing in five different ways, continuing to add more colorful, descriptive language. And the idea of what he's trying to express here is that, you know, we're kind of limitless inexhaustible in some of these concepts that he's trying to teach us about and so he tries to put words and they just can't fully grasp and so, in fact that's what he's using with all this flowery uh, poetic language you know he's saying it goes beyond anything that we might be able to any way or form that we might be able to describe it but in verse 20 i'll read that again he says now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So, what what shift took place? Would any would anybody have words for that? I'm more
2: praising the Lord than asking for things.
0: Yeah. In, in its simplest form that is exactly it if we were to put theological terms we'd say or, or this is almost more musical I uh, most commentators are many and, and I certainly do myself uh, verse 20 shifts into what we would call a doxology what is a doxology I bet you everybody knows at least one an example of one uh, it's at the beginning of most hymnals, somewhere along the way, some uh, traditional services start their service by going, um, "Praise God from whom all blessings flow." All right, <clears throat> everybody know, no? no. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a it's a song, it's a hymn, it's a song, it's a prayer. At the same time, doxology uh doxa mean praise all right and uh like logos we've heard before from the book of john in the beginning was the word we call it logos so a word of praise is what a doxology is all right and uh most consider this to be you know an example where paul actually works into that and i have a short video clip i'd like to share with everybody I don't know if the sound's actually going to translate through here, but let's be prepared in case it does. Um, Short little video clip about um, what doxology is and the place it serves. You can see here it's a doxology of praise there in verse 20. It. <laughs> Why would it do that? Why would it work? Ology ought to lead to high doxology. All right, let's go back and let's try it again. You'll just listen to it through the computer, though. Uh, I just I apologize. That was probably somewhat hard to hear. Did you hear any of that at all? A little bit. Okay. So the idea, you know, uh, one of the things he brings out is that you know, a high theology should lead us to to these doxologies, where like we're just we just break out in a word of praise and a word of uh, thanksgiving of, of rejoicing. And he uses the example of Romans chapter. 11 into 12. I want to peek at it because it follows a, a, a predictable pattern almost that I see here in Ephesians chapter 3. And, and it, it is reflective of our prayer life, you know, and our prayer life is reflective of, of who we understand God to be and what we understand God to be doing. That's, that is simply, that is in its most basic form what theology is for us. And so Romans chapter 11, this is very familiar because Pastor was is like literally right in this spot right now. Um, and uh, but I want us to catch just, you know, one little thing. Romans chapter, you know, the first portion of the book of Romans is often labeled as doctrinal which means teaching for people. There's, uh, there's teaching of uh, justification, of our sanctification in Christ. And even the hope of our glorification is all present. Where we're, you know, if Paul uh, didn't, we can't apply it until we actually learn what it is. And Paul is teaching us what it is and who we are and what Christ has done for us. And then we know that next logical question is, well, that's great that God's doing this for us, but wasn't God doing something else before us? Wasn't there, you know, these covenants and promises? And what about Israel? They had promises too. And so doctrine comes out or teaching comes out where Paul explains what happened to Israel. So that's 9, 10, and 11. And Paul is just drawing this all into uh, a, a closing, and he breaks out into a psalm. He breaks out into a doxology right here, and that's where we have uh, Romans 11:33. Let's just read that together. Actually, Pastor Kermer, your turn. Do you mind just reading 33 through 36 of Romans 11?
1: Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him? For of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be glory forever.
0: Amen. All right. Uh, Thank you for reading that. It's interesting how he does move into the poetic you know language here where if you if you start a sentence with oh you know that's not a a a general thing that we use of like you know let me teach you about justification oh jesus died no in in that sort of discourse and and oh would be like oh and one more thing that's not that's not what paul is doing here with this oh this oh is like oh my goodness i am overwhelmed I am a man come undone because of the immensity of, of God. You know, we learned all that he did for us, all that he did for Israel and that he's not slack concerning any of those promises. Wow. This is amazing. It just boggles my mind to think that this is what God is doing. And this is what God's doing in me. That's what Paul is bringing out here in this, but look at verse 36. So one of the things he, he gives praise, he, uh, kind of flowery language he brings in an old testament quote as well he he kind of draws things together which is an interesting point but then in verse 36 he draws this out as well for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever when we are praising the lord there we're directing glory to where it belongs and then he closes this within amen all right, amen. What does amen mean? Yeah, let it be. It's this is a true statement. So be it. All right, so that is that is the idea. That is true. Uh, the, our word amen, we get it from Greek. Guess where they pulled it from? Hebrew. I mean, th- this is a, this is a word going all the way back, and th- th- there's been this thought of let it be, so it's true. All right. So the video talked about we go from this doctrinal section, and then they said it moves to the duty section, which we might all like bristle a little bit, you know, at at that, like, what, what, legalism? What's what's coming on? But that's what happens in Romans chapter 12. We get to submit our lives as a living sacrifice. Spoiler alert. I believe Pastor Wolgast is talking about that today. (laughs) All right. Uh, But that is the duty. That is the opportunity that we have as his children. And I love what Paul does. He, He gives the soul space to resonate with the truth that's been given so far. We don't move from what I learned to what I need to do. There's space in between, and that's where the doxology came in. There's space for the heart. To just sit, ponder, reflect, divert—all of that back to the Lord. I need, personally, to give more time for doxology in my own life.
1: It just seems like to me that when we have these, like in Ephesians three, where we're reading is is, is the same thing, and yeah. uh, that's how we're talking about Romans twelve too. But yeah. These statements are um, you've come to the place where it's touched your heart. Yeah. And then we go on to action. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that heart before you go into the action, you're gonna be burnout, toast, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But yeah. that's what I'm seeing there is is when like, Oh, you know, I don't have any other words, this is too much greatness, I can't handle it. But anyway, yeah. but his hearts absorb these truths. Yeah, I think a lot of Christians we need to go back and recreate What are these truths? Why come my heart's not being touched? So to now I do want to surrender my life. That's the disconnect a lot yeah. of times. But a lot of times, you know, it goes back and it's, do we really understand these truths we just read? Do we believe them? Because there's no truth. There's nothing doctrinal that's not also transformational. You know, it, it's never, it's not one or the other. It's all the truth always does something to you. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, then we really need to go back and do we understand this correctly, or yeah. is it, why is it not touching my heart to bring me to Romans 12:1 or mm-hmm. to bring me to Ephesians 4, which he's yeah. going to go on and say now holiness in mind. Let's let's that's what we're working toward. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. I just see the heart in the doxology, of uh, mm-hmm. uh, a heart that's been touched, and I want now to do mm-hmm. nothing else but serve my risen Lord. You know, that's mm-hmm. and that's where it seems like a lot of Christians have that disconnect. It's not personal. It's not relational. Yeah, and and therefore there is no doxology because I'm still trying to
0: figure out life on my own.
1: I'm not I'm not absorbed by the greatness of God and the truths of God. Yeah,
0: we we keep everything that we learn just dancing up here, and we don't. There is a disconnect somewhere. Um, truth as an axiom in its own nature does something, right? <laughs> you know, uh, this is you hear it frequently. From all of the pastors here, you know, one element of truth is that it sets free, right? there is freedom abounding in that because it's it truth is in alignment with the way things are, with God's way, you know, and uh, and freedom, uh, uh, deliverance from bondage and error, and all of that comes when we live in alignment with the way God has set them to be. So that is very true here. So when our heart aligns with that, we see all that God's doing. Wow, there is a, a real response. Thank you for that. That's uh, encouraging. You. Well, I appreciate that video
1: because it's something we talk about, that the truth should touch your heart, therefore it's changed you, therefore you want this thing yeah. that the Lord has for you. But I liked how he described it because he it, it does take shape in Paul's epistles a lot of times, is that heart of praise. And there's sort of like... If you want dare say a litmus test that I'm ready for service because I'm just, as my heart's focused okay. on him, I'm ready for what he's got for me, you know, and mm-hmm. I just, I had never thought of it like that but as he said it. That's really mm-hmm. good stuff.
0: No, it really is. And most of the time, it's easy to miss that Paul shifts. Paul is in the middle of a prayer, but his prayer does shift to true. At the first part of his prayer he's talking about, you know, uh, and we'll talk about the two themes that he contrasts because he does introduce a or, or reintroduces another theme here in verse 20 where the shift happens. But uh, interestingly enough, um, you know, he's, he he starts out the prayer kind of like a pastor's prayer. You know how we can pray as pastors, of like where we can almost give a second sermon in our prayer. I mean, we don't, of course, right? But, you know, like we're like you know, we, we repeat our, our three-point alliterated outline of, you know, thank you for the people, Lord. Thank you for the presence. And, th- you know, <laughs> yeah. um, no, and, and there is an element that we can teach through prayer. And, and, and it is just kind of a rehearsing back of, Lord, this is what you've taught me. And, and, and we're just like actively reflecting and it's resonating with us as we're, we're praying with the Lord there. But he shifts, and it's so easy to miss it because this passage still ends with an amen, right? So we think, oh, Paul is just praying. Well, he, he's praying, but he moves into that word of praise, and he even signifies it by now. You know, there's a shift in even his own temperament and demeanor. And uh, I, have you ever experienced that sort of shift in your own prayer? You know, like I start one place. I, I've been even known to start, you know, in, like, Psalms chapter 2, David, imprecatory, bring fire and damnation upon the Lord. I can start there. And then, oh, okay, the Lord gets a hold of my heart. I remember, remember, all right, God, thank you. Thank you for saving me from my sin, too. You know, and all these. And somewhere along the way that we shift into that, that idea of praise. And the same thing is true. We de- deflect, divert back to him his glory. Look at verse 21 of chapter 3 of Ephesians. So back to Paul's prayer, Ephesians 3.21, that same pattern is here. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I get excited when I find patterns in the word of God, and and this is one of those that uh, is way too easily over. So we know that Paul is, has entered into this doxology. Now I want us to kind of see that there's there's two themes that Paul is talking about, or almost two subsets of content here. And um, and Paul uses this flowery language where it's it's hard for him to encapsulate everything that he's praising the Lord for. But look at verses 17 and 18. And contrast that, well, sorry, 17 through 19, and then contrast that with verse 20. Uh, and the question is this, to what two inexhaustible and immeasurable provisions does the child of God have access to? All right, so there's kind of two things that Paul is, is at a loss of words for. And so just, uh, I kind of give you a hint there, look at it, the first ones in 17 through 19. And then twenty gives us that second theme.
1: So the love of Christ,
0: yeah,
1: and the power of God is that the
0: word. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, so it's the love of of Christ and the power of God, or the power of Christ. It's uh, it's impacting to see that you know. And we would we we would know that to be true when we think about what to the depths of that, of how God loves us. We just celebrated Christ's resurrection, but before he was resurrection, resurrected, he was buried and he suffered. And he lived a righteous, holy life. And then he took on flesh upon himself. I mean, just all that Christ did, the love of Christ. And Paul puts language on this. He says um, he wants us to be grounded in it and understand it, um, and he wants us to understand what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. He's like, I want you to know this. It's not possible, but I want you to know it anyway. Sounds like many a college professor. It's paradox. I know it. Oh, the unknowable. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, to pursue the unknowable, I think, is where we...
1: Relationally experience that which can never be exhausted.
0: <laughs> Amen. And and he sets up a paradigm that that is true, both of the love of Christ. And he carries that thought. And I think there's an equation where he says, just like the love of Christ is this way, the power of Christ is this way. And tap into them both because they're really the same. His love and his power are... Uh, linked they're inexhaustible that's uh not to him who's was able to do exceedingly abundantly above how many adverbs are you going to use there paul i mean he just keeps throwing that it's it's kind of like me when i write my wife is always my did you just hear my wife chuckle like that No.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> a title is never good a title with a subtitle is even better a title with subtitles and lots of adverbs best in my book, because I just want to express what I see and what I understand, and I want to give that to people, and that's exactly what Paul is doing, but in the, the, the exact right place, the love of God, the power of God. So I want us to visually depict this in kind of two different ways. So that's why there's two boxes there for you, and I know one of them we've seen before. Okay, I'm going to guess one of them is a bit familiar for us. All right. Um, And and many have have done this before. This is actually in the book there. Um, And we've probably seen this before where we start out, we reduce this to its most simple common denominator. When we're looking at the power of Christ in verse 21, I know Cynthia knows this (laughs) because I think you've actually given me something similar to this before. All right. So he is able. Alright, that's what we see. That, that's in phrase form, that's the the most we can reduce this thing down. You know, verse 20, a lot of flowery language, but I'm walking away knowing my God's able. Okay? But Paul adds to that because he felt it so important that he elaborated on it a little bit. And so he is able, in fact, I don't want to get carpal tunnel from writing all of this. So We will add this. He is able to do all. In our home, when I I talk talk to our girls, when we go through the word of God, we, we have big bucket words. All right. That means we have these big buckets that whenever we come across one of these words in scripture, we throw it in the big bucket because that bucket holds absolutely everything. All right. And one of those big bucket words is all. All right. So anything you come up with goes in the bucket. All right. So this alone is all encompassing. Right. So he is able. He is able to do all. What's the next word or what's one more word that Paul adds in there? He is able to do Abundantly, Paul adds in there. So you know he's not just going to do it all. He's going to go that next step and he's going to do it abundantly. Abundantly uh, first? No, I got ahead of myself. You're right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it is. It is correct. Actually,
1: Justin. Actually, Justin. <laughs> <be> actually. <laughs>
0: Sorry, just no, not. I got you know me, yeah. I'm gonna get stuck on the end. You're gonna lose me. You order. I'm done. And he's shutting down the right. corner. Right. No, I, I skipped a line here. My my writing is too small for my old man eyes. All right, he is able to do above all. All right, so kind of you know, if, if this is at the platform of all, we just kicked it up a notch. All right, there is Beauty and there's purpose in Paul's flowery language because it it does show us something uh, because we need to see it multiple different ways and from there Paul adds the word abundantly all right abundantly so you have you have vertical you have horizontal with that and then he even adds one more where he says exceedingly.
2: question
0: is that either half and half on the Bibles say exceedingly, or I mean, I haven't found one that says that it's uh, I think that's what the New King James has it as. Okay. Sorry, I, don't have. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, and so I did go go off of that, but really, with all of this, each of these ideas is present, no matter what the English word we might put, the Greek is there expressing, you know. There's one, two, three, you know, kind of ideas behind the big idea of he's able to do all. So, uh, I mean, this this is almost a song like where, you know, he is able. And then we step back. He is able to do all. King James says
2: exceeding. Uh, King, King James says Does
0: it say exceeding? Okay. Not
2: exceeding me, but, but New King James is yeah. exceeding need.
0: Yeah, well, and even, I'd have to look at it here. I mean, for our purposes, let's see, 20, yeah, it does say exceedingly. I mean, that's just a a manner of turning it into an (laughs) adverb. Right. Um, But we say he's able to do all. All right, just like an old typewriter. All right, we hit enter, and we go back. He is able to do uh, above all, and you just keep going on, and you just, and I love the idea of this illustration. Because it just repeats it, and it gets it deeper into your heart, right? The more you hear something, the more you say something. And then we just add one little thing to it. So that's kind of one fun way to look at this. Another way that is similar to this, but how I was thinking about it, um, is that at the end, there are two things, two ways, by which you and I are involved in this verse. Because this is a doxology. This is focused on the Lord. But we're present in two ideas and two things here. What are they? What, what 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 role do we have in this endeavor? Yeah, Cynthia got it. She mimed it to me. What is it?
2: Thinking about it and asking
0: about it. All right. So let, let's just depict this uh Visually here, we ask and we think. Okay? Or dare to imagine. You're absolutely right. So uh, you can jump down. You can copy the box as I explain it. But the next question down, we'll just describe it here. I have written, what two actions of the believer does God's power surpass? The first one is ask. The second one is think. To elaborate just briefly on that, this idea of asking is is elsewhere translated as beg, call for, crave, or desire. Interesting word pictures there. I do often like to equate um, Psalm 37 verse 4. Um, let me just read that really quickly for us. As, as we're talking about this, asking and thinking, no need to turn there, but I will read it. I'm having a mental block. I need to get the first word. Otherwise, I'd quote it. Isn't it for as a man?
2: Think it's... No.
0: no. No. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart many love to abuse that or or would look at that as like a magic genie verse, you know. Uh, But the idea here, there's a strong correlation into Philippians chapter two, thirteen, or 2 verses 13 and chapter 3, verse 10 and wanting to know him. When God himself is the desire of your heart, he's going to give you the desires of your heart. And so that the Asking, the desire, that, that craving. So often, Christendom for, for many years kind of went through this this period of all, well, we don't, we don't want to be emotionally touchy-feely. So this whole idea of desire, no, we're, we're going to be more pious than that. You know, and, and we love just to focus on the thinking side of it. But there is this, this idea of, of desire, ask, petition for. The word think, on the other hand, um, brings in, in in its root has the idea of the mind. All right. So whatever's whatever's going on here and whatever's going on here, God is available. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above. I mean that's within these two realms lies the entity of the individual. Correct. The heart and the mind, the soul. All right. This it all lies within here anything you could ever possibly need is wrapped up in here and it's connected to there this is all about his power interestingly enough just uh, one lexical definition of, of the of to think here is to apply mental effort needed to reach bottom line conclusions it's translated elsewhere as understand think perceive consider realize, apprehend, or conceive. I mean, there, there's just a lot of different flavors and filters of that word. Uh, I like that, in, in depending on the context, the thinking that's that's done with the word is either thinking we understand or thinking or fleeting thinking. We don't even understand it. Uh, and, but it's there and it's possible in this. It, it's all encompassing in that. So back to our picture, though, this is where we're involved. You you can ask anything. You can think it. All right. And then the the descriptor that immediately uh, applies to this or the umbrella under which we ask and which we think is the all-encompassing all, right? That's the umbrella that these things occur under. All right. Again. I'm going to describe it this way. This all is a horizontal idea. All right? Everything, you know, I think of uh, the Lion King when Mufasa has somebody's like, everything that the light touches will one day be your son. Kind of like everything that you ask or think, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all. So there's this horizontal expansiveness to that. But then we added the word above to that. So graphically, we're going above that. Well, by very definition, above is a vertical word, right? To place it on top. If I put this above that, it actually supersedes and takes a a higher level. All right. So we go from the horizontal to the vertical and then the next word that we said was abundantly, right? To me, this is an even bigger word that takes us to the horizontal, all right? So I'm going to make my horizontal arrows bigger, all right? So the idea is all, and not just all of it, but abundantly all, to where there's like overflowing happening and going on with that. And then we know that there's one more word in with that, and that would be the idea of exceedingly. All right, and then we'll just put some big, massive, upward facing vertical arrows. So do you see we go horizontal, vertical, horizontal, vertical, it's just, you know, it's like those Russian nesting dolls except we're going from reverse. We're going, I mean, even the smallest thing, this is huge, right? Because it's all, it encompasses everything. But Paul tried to put words on it and make everything even more. (coughs) And then he does that uh, at four different levels. To me, just spending a little bit of time breaking breaking that out It was just helpful, you know, to just see. it's so
1: clear from the passage that it's only talking about spiritual things.
0: I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm being mean for the sake of (laughs) purposes. I know it. right. I know. Yeah, there's there's no constriction. There's no funnel going on. In fact, if anything, it's, well, there is no funnel because there's no restriction down here at the bottom. You know, much less it just keeps getting bigger. And, and that's God. You know, think about it this way. Paul is, is praying. If we put this whole thing in context, he wants us to know the love of Christ that follows a, a, an interesting trajectory, kind of like this, where he talks about height and depth and width and, you know, all of these things. He's he's giving very 3D, 4D, some might have liked to describe pictures of all of this well the doxology is doing the same exact thing and you know he, he wants us to to grasp this to live in this uh, and the more that you you know are rooted and grounded the more okay so i'm able to understand and tap into this here today and as i see god work with my understanding and my ability to trust in here, we see that our own maturity and our own walk with the Lord kind of follows this upward trajectory, right? Because I'm able to trust in here, and I know what I've been through with the Lord. Now you take that next step, and I need even more of that power, more of, you know, I understand his love. And and that, that really is the path towards, you know, mat- maturity and, and depth with the Lord. So... Any thoughts, questions, or ideas about this? All right. Okay. Okay. Sometimes you just need a thesaurus to get your point across. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. See, honey? No, no. (laughs) And and she's thinking, but not every time, Justin. Right, right,
2: right, right. I was just thinking about, you know, above all that we ask or think, we, as humans, tend to have a limited perspective, mm-hmm. especially Americans. We tend to view everything from what is our normal, and we think that the rest of the world lives life the way we do, mm-hmm. and that's not true. You yeah. know, we've talked about that in terms of, like, missions and things. Mm-hmm. But the way we do church here doesn't look like how they do church in Africa or mm-hmm. other countries um, and I think that that is just human nature but then think of God's perspective and he's thinking no you're thinking too small yeah. bigger bigger no bigger <laughs> you know yeah. that's kind of what I see in that
1: mm-hmm. I like that you're thinking mm-hmm. too small yeah. that's so <laughs> true. you're thinking, thinking too small yeah. don't you know who I am <laughs> I know
2: it can't well, you just see God up in heaven saying that to us though you know right i'm not just the god of wisconsin or the right, united right. states or even the world i'm the
1: god of right oh. Oh. i call the stars by name so yeah bring it to yeah. it. right.
0: <laughs> There's a song called the god of wow <laughs> that's you know that that's, you're thinking too yeah you are you're thinking too small yeah what's really stood out to me you know we talked about we don't give ourselves enough space for the doxology, enough space to really resonate with what God's doing. I don't give myself enough space to sit in this, you know, because I have life going on. And just to even like sit here and like doctrinally reflect on it, it stirs me. It's like, well, what was my problem this week then? Right. You know? Well, because this was true, even though I didn't live like it, you know, it, it just causes me to, to leave that margin in my life, to to seek his perspective. on This is not the only time Paul has prayed about the power that we have. This is a theme that's going to run throughout the entire book of Ephesians. And I want you to look with me. This is answering that last question under the learn section here, where we trace the theme uh, we'll start in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19. <clears throat> for time's sake, I'm just going to read it for us. Ephesians 1:19, Paul is praying and he busts out with this thought, and there's such a theme of wanting of, of his desire for us to know God's power. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Toward us, believe who believe according to the working of His mighty power. Right in that verse, His power, you know, is 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 described as exceeding greatness of power, and then he talks about His mighty power. You know, again, he's using a thesaurus to bring about how the magnitude of it all. Uh, You want an example of this power? Look at verse twenty. Well, this power, he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. That's the power I'm talking about, all right? So he, he teaches this out. He brings it out in Ephesians chapter three. Um, the next place he talks is in Ephesians three sixteen. So this was not our doxology verse, but he already alludes to it in the second prayer. He prays that, uh, that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Strengthened with might. Give us that power. And then obviously we know verse 20 is the next in that chain. And then I also connect this over to Ephesians chapter six. And to Ephesians chapter six. And let's read verses 14 through 18. This is kind of the culmination of of all we've been given in Christ. And we have these things that protect us and which defend us and that God wants us to use in our daily life. We refer to it as the armor of God. Verse 14, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Um, Just the idea, he brings in prayer here and then he outworks the power that we have he outworks and, and gives application of that we can be girded with truth and the black breastplate of righteousness and all of these things. And the word of God that we have, which is our sword. There's power in all of these things. So uh, the theme runs throughout. <clears throat> so it's important to see that Paul's not just bringing this in, in vacuum isolation. This is central to, to what God is doing today.
1: Right. Well, I mean, and again, you know, we, we, we tend to think of epistles sometimes, this is doctrinal, this is practical, and, and there's some truth to like how it's laid out, but it's, mm-hmm. maybe it'd be more appropriate. I mean, like in Ephesians, the first three chapters are meant to convince you of the power of God, mm-hmm. and the other three chapters show what the power of God looks like in your life, <laughs> when you choose to mm-hmm. let it flow through you, you submit to him, Yeah, you know, it affects your marriage, or how you... Work with those in the body how you treat it you know it's all the things mm-hmm. he talks about four five and six
0: so yeah
1: i mean it's really just this is what the power of god in your life will look like you know transformational power yeah and i think roman's the same way when you get in 12 13 14 it's, it's talking about what this looks like mm-hmm. anyway
0: no excellent so this this gets me excited and pumped up i mean this is where we move into like we have a whole discussion although we had a wonderful discussion here. I've got two questions for reflection. I really encourage you spend some time thinking about this this week. If you have any thoughts, this is where we'll begin. We'll just briefly talk about it next week as we move into our next lesson. But this is this is profound when you start connecting these threads of prayer. The question I ask is, how does pray? How does praying without doubting? So go back to that verse that we talked about postures last week, where uh, praying with that all men will pray everywhere, lifting holy hands. One of the things in that passage is without doubting, that we pray without doubting. I believe there's a correlation and a connection to what we're learning here. You want to talk about an outworking and if you want to call it an application or just more of what does it look like? Well, as this sinks into my heart, there is no doubt. You know, and also knowing that, you know, faith is belief and doubt is lack of faith. You know, there, there, there's something very strong in that for us. So think about that, reflect on it. And then also we connect this into Ephesians, or sorry, Philippians chapter 2, verse 10. through oh, Sorry, Philippians two thirteen, 13. And I also like to say Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. I always put those two verses together. Uh, But Philippians 2.13 is where it's God who works in you both to do and to will of his good pleasure. Um, There's some power. There's some powerful thoughts uh, when this all comes together. So take some time, reflect. Two songs for you, The Power of Prayer by Matthew West. That's a new song to me. Uh, This has been a fun endeavor finding songs that reflect and connect to what we're talking about. Search this out on YouTube. And then a prayer for a friend, uh, seeing God's power unleashed in the life of a loved one who is currently trapped and living apart from the Lord is beautiful. All right. Father, again, thank you. What I've seen this morning is that you are big. You are big enough. And Father, you are so much more immense than what we can do. Lord, thank you for the for the conversation that's been so sweet and strengthening and nourishing to my own heart. Lord, uh, I, I do stand a bit convicted even, just thinking about how I fail to just uh, take the time sometimes amidst busyness, amidst chaos, even amidst stress, Lord, to, to really rest and see who you are, what you are, and... And that does take word. That, that changes everything. And um, that produces this beautiful doxology. Thank you for the example of, of Paul and how he lived this out and he, he walked in a humble faith uh, with you, Lord. Father, that's my prayer for each and every one of us. May we walk humbly in faith with you, Lord. We love you. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.